0: Wrestling fans, there's a podcast you want to add to your podcast playlist Wrestling with the Willies, hosted by Josh and his brothers, and they discuss all things wrestling, like WWE Extreme Rules, WWE SummerSlam, and more. You'll get the results and their reactions on all the matches you want to know more about, as well as in depth analysis, opinions, and fallout from the events on Raw and SmackDown. Wrestling with the Willies talk about all the wrestlers you know and follow. Their matches, moves, losses, and their achievements. Add Wrestling with the Willies to your podcast playlist right now. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Amazon Podcast, Google Podcast, and your favorite podcast platform.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, ghouls and ghosts, welcome to another spine tingling episode of Scream Creeps. I'm your host Jeremy and with me again are uh my brothers Aaron and Josh and tonight we're diving into the heart-pounding world of horror cinema again. Now, before we get started, I want to remind you guys that Scream Creeps is your go-to podcast for all things terrifying and chilling. We're here to explore the darkest corners of the cinematic universe and share our thoughts on the movies that keep us up at night. Tonight, we have a special treat for you. We're delving into the realm of infection, chaos, and the relentless pursuit of survival. That's right, we're talking about the 2002 horror masterpiece, 28 Days Later. A film that has earned its spot as number 16 on the list of the 35 scariest movies according to science. Back in 2020. Can you guys feel the goosebumps already? <laughs> but, uh, but before this, we unleash the infected upon you. Don't forget. To, don't forget to subscribe, rate and leave us a chilling review on your favorite podcast platform. Your support will continue to keep this podcast going. Um, now grab your flashlight. Check the locks on your doors and join us as we dissect the fear inducing brilliance of the movie twenty eight days later. Are you guys ready to scream? Creeps
2: <laughs> that was so dirty.
1: <laughs> brand that was that let's just end the podcast there, yeah. <laughs> So I didn't really go into specifics in the intro there, but two, uh, 28 Days Later is considered a 2002 British post-apocalyptic horror film that was directed by Danny Boyle and written by Alex Garland. It stars, just, uh, I think it's Cillian Murphy, or is yeah. it Killian? Uh, so yeah. Who plays a bicycle courier who awakens from a coma to discover the accidental release of a virus that has basically caused the breakdown of society. But the one thing I want to point out before we move on to anything else was I was not expecting, cause I had never seen this movie. I was not oh, expecting. Oh, I was sure, not. Ex- right. Yeah. I was not expecting the very, fr- almost the very first scene to be this dude naked. <laughs>
2: I totally. I mean, damn, <laughs> I forgot
1: his
2: dongle
1: show. Yeah. In the movie. Right at the <laughs> beginning. I was like, Whoa. <laughs> Because I remember the, the the first time I think I saw him was in uh, Bat- Batman when he's played Scarecrow. I don't oh, remember yeah, seeing him before yeah. that. Um, but uh, to further talk about things, I wanted to just point that out at the beginning. But Naomi Harris, Christopher Eccleston, Megan Burns, and Brendan Gleason also appeared in the movie in supporting roles. In reading, Alex Garland took inspiration from George A. Romero's Night of the Living Dead for the film. And also uh, John Wyndham's 1951 novel, The Day of the Triffids. I had never heard of that movie or uh, that book. I've heard of the movie, but I've never heard of the book. But, uh, and filming took place in various locations in the UK in 2001. It's always interesting when I read like the, the background of these films that they basically film them almost right before they release them. I always assumed it was like, a big time difference between filming and release, but most of these pretty much. I guess were it filmed.
0: really just depends. Right. Yeah. How much editing and yeah. yeah it it almost seems.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think COVID changed a little bit of stuff because of delays in filming, but, uh, but this movie was released on November 1st, 2002. It grossed $84.6 million in the box office on a budget of 8 million. so
0: um 10x that's damn yep money all right
1: but uh that's that's really all that i wanted to i don't think there's anything else that i wanted to point out he uh there's stuff mentioned about uh garland was also influenced by the video game resident evil which was kind of
0: not surprising yeah yeah so not surprising um
1: considering
0: it it was in a city landscape so it's like. Uh, in the beginning, anyway, it was in the city landscape, so it just began became... and then you could see them going into the woods and stuff was kind of like going into the mansion, yeah, and it was so yeah, there's a lot of a lot of aspects that you can make
2: especially like, the the place time. near the end it was like a mansion
0: anyway, exactly kind <laughs> of so
1: yeah, I see but that. I guess portions of the filming of portions of the film were also shot in a canon x l one digital video camera that makes sense, so. The the grittiness
0: Um, of the the film. The grittiness of it, yeah. Yeah. I like how it was guerrilla style. It was different, especially back then. Yeah. It was really different.
1: And another thing that I would find interesting, considering what time frame this was, I wonder how it says that the September 11th attacks took place during the filming. So I wonder how that impacted the filming. It doesn't really specify too much, but it, I guess uh, an individual noted the parallels between the missing persons flyers seen at the beginning of the film and similar flyers that were posted in New York City in the wake of the attacks. So, um, uh, and he also said that his uh, crew probably would not have been granted permission to close off Whitehall for filming after the attacks. Um, So, and then the last thing I wanted to point out is a production team hired an optometrist to supervise with the red contact lenses that were needed for cast members that were playing the infected. So um, anyhow, yeah. I don't, I mean, I guess we can go ahead and get started on what we thought about the film uh, and go from there. Uh, And, oh, and one other thing I need to bring up is the ratings because we talk about those in, every podcast and i failed to uh pull it up do that you know, yeah what oh, did you not know do it last mm-hmm. time i thought you did no this time i didn't do it yet it's still oh, okay. it's not on yeah right. i was like yeah so well, i normally have it sitting here anytime. yeah i normally have it on my screen over here but i didn't have it um but while i'm doing that uh what josh what did you think or what have what do you what did you think of the film? I know you've seen it I've numerous times. I love I've time.
2: this movie. I've seen it many times. I wouldn't say it's my favorite zombie movie, but it's mostly because how quick it is. It's like it tells the story so fast. like it's, it doesn't feel like a lot of things weighed around. It's like you're in the shoes of Cillian Murphy's uh character for, like, you could tell it's like you're along for the ride type, the type of thing. That, that, I think that's why, so especially, I can't remember how many zombie movies happened before this, but like, it was like a fresh take on it, knowing that it was just uh, they called it a rage virus instead of uh, zombie stuff. And I don't know if that, they were doing that on purpose or whatever, but I know I've seen it many a times. It's mostly because I like the style of, like, everything that goes into it. Like, the paranoia, the, like, trying to be off on your own. Especially, like, in the beginning where it shows that he ain't around anyone. And he's trying to, he wakes up in the hospital and he's like, what the fuck is going on? Like, imagine anybody in that type of situation. They're like, what in the hell happened here? And then, so yeah, I just love the movie. I've seen it many a times. I wouldn't say it's my favorite one, but it's definitely like high up on there.
1: Uh, Aaron, what did you? What uh, were your... I
0: would say, I mean, I've always liked this movie. I saw it. I don't. I don't know when the first time I saw it was. I would assume it was back in two thousand two thousand two. I didn't see it in theaters, but I know I loved it as soon as it came out. Um, But I would say if there was a zombie movie that was true to how it might be in an apocalypse situation, this would be the closest one to a solid character. Like Because there weren't any decisions that were made that you can be like, Oh well, why did he do that? Or what was this? You know, for instance, there was—I uh, uh, mentioned it when you were watching the movie. I was like, the smartest thing that that man could have done was run as yeah. soon as he saw that thing. He didn't question. it. He wasn't like, I need to fight this thing. I didn't. He ran his ass off, and you can tell he was uh, extremely like a distraught. He was just. It, so if you were in that situation you would have done the same thing or died so it's like that and that was that happened consecutively throughout the film that's that's why i really enjoyed it and it was it was uh his character development throughout the thing was that like how would someone cope with being in this situation and how their mental state would be like in and in, in survival situations and it, it it was just uh not a breath of fresh air but it was you could sympathize with this situation or empathize with it whichever word fits better I guess um and then there's the other side of things to where you realize that the real evil within the movie isn't the actual virus it's yeah. the other human beings that are there so it, but that story's been told plenty of times right it's been mm-hmm. told with the walking dead it's been told with you know it's always it's men or the the world of man is the the ultimate evil not something that's just doing what its nature is. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's not the virus. It's man. That's the problem. So it, it definitely hit that string too. Uh, but all, all in all a, exceptional film, but the, the numbers speak for themselves too. Mm-hmm. making that much money, which, and we were just talking about, sorry to, to get off subject. we, just had a conversation about how much it was for for uh what was it fast and furious eight yeah making over a billion dollars and then you hear this with just 80 million but (laughs) they 10x their money it's like which one would you i would go for 28 days later every time so
1: well yeah and that's you know from my standpoint i had never seen this movie so when i watched it two weeks ago i hadn't watched it before so that's what i got from it and i hearkened back to when we and it, i think it was on this podcast as well we we talked about the movie no one will save you where we talked mm-hmm. about the reactions that the uh protagonist would have so caitlin deaver's character in the film how you would envision somebody reacting to an alien just walking up into your house. Um that would be how you would react is the way she reacted. And I feel the same thing like Aaron said about this film was that the way that they reacted would be the way you would react typically if this really happened. It's like at the very beginning when the dude got the cut on his arm and then the chick killed him before he could turn. That was like an automatic decision. I remember I, I talk about a situation years ago where, you know, our our dad was on the submarines when he was in the Navy, and he would always talk about watching the movie Hunt for Red October and where there were situations where the interior of the submarine would get flooded. He would say, in real life, they would not leave that door open for any moment. They would immediately close it, regardless of people being in there or not. He said, so, and that's the type of stuff that, you know, the reality would happen in, in a lot of this stuff. And that's what I like watching in films is logically what would really occur. And when it starts to, to, uh, steer away from that is when I start to not care for a movie that much. It's like, really, would they, and that's why it's funny because I like horror movies in general and they all kind of steer that way. It's like, we'll be talking about, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the next one. And uh, that that kind of harkens to the opposite of it's what I'm talking very about. The opposite. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but you know, uh, but yeah, I mean, I could say I really liked the movie. It was unfortunate that we had to find a way to watch it. I was kind of shocked that it was like not readily available everywhere. Mm-hmm. That was the one <laughs> thing that was interesting to me. But
2: thankfully, um, I owned it, so. <laughs>
1: Yeah, see, well, I don't even own it. So I rest. so I literally Wow. Yeah. So I either had to go find a physical copy, which I've got or I had to find it somewhere online and I just so happened to find it somewhere online. It was a really bad copy, but I got the gist of the film. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, uh, what, it might yeah. have
1: been, it might have been the original. <laughs> it's yeah. just how it looks. Well, but yeah, I mean, super
0: and- grainy, super like it was it's not HD,
1: bro no well yeah i mean it's like 40p yeah i mean it you know (laughs) wouldn't it wouldn't be surprised i mean it came out in 2002 i mean when you start to see 4k remasters of movies they don't look entirely great Mm -hmm. being made back then but one thing one other thing i wanted to point out since we're talking about the film is that there were alternative endings to it so on Mm -hmm. the dv you may have watched it since you have the dvd josh but The DVD, Uh, I guess, includes three alternative endings, which all conclude with Jim actually dying. Yep. Uh, So um, one uh, involved uh, Jim dying of his gunshot wounds. In another one, the outbreak is revealed to be a dream of his. And the third was uh, basically presented only in storyboards. So instead of Frank being killed by soldiers after being infected, the other survivors tie him up and discover a research lab at the blockade where, uh, Jim undergoes a blood transfusion in order to save him. So, um, I guess the cinematic release back in 2002 included one of those endings after the film's credits, uh, in response to debates online on whether or not the uh, official ending was the right one. Um, since I didn't see it in the theaters, I wouldn't know. It doesn't even specify which one that is here, but see, um, I wanted yeah, it's to it's point it out that uh, that that actually occurred. But anyhow, but uh,
2: to, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Sometimes it's hard for me to end up judging when to interject. Sometimes, but uh, what's it called? To me, I felt like the alternate endings were like possibly screeners that they did you know how they used to do the screeners for people and then ask them what type of thing of like how they enjoyed the movie especially the one where he died during, uh, during it but really you would probably think that that would be the more realistic version of it like it would be that he got gunshot and then he died from it because, hmm. I mean, you think that those two would have been able to pull the bullet out and do all the stuff, like at that time, probably not. But I still like the happy ending, like where they like at the part. But still, I I'm, that's what I'm guessing is what it, it was. Like they had other people watch the movie and then they're like, I don't like how they died, like how he died, blah blah blah. <laughs>
0: And there was another ending to where he woke up from his coma and it turned out to be a dream. Yeah. I'm glad they didn't use that one. Yeah. Could you imagine
1: that? I yeah, mean, yeah, that I would have been like, what the fuck? Well, it's like, yeah. me I, I talk and I know I'm digressing slightly, but you know, they always have to have most of the time they have to have a happy ending. And that's why it always surprises me. Have you guys ever seen the movie, the breakup? Yeah. Yeah. So, it always surprises me that people talk about that movie at the end, but the movie's literally called The Breakup, so it's like, mm-hmm. why would it they get back? It at
0: going to end.
1: Why would they get back yeah. together at the end? The movie's called The Breakup. I mean, yeah. so it was refreshing well, to actually see that they that, didn't.
0: That like, oh, they got married at the end, but that's the breakup that they yeah. had.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it was actually, ref- for me, and this is what I was saying. It was refreshing to not see the happy ending like you see all the time. Like uh-huh. in this case, they actually broke up and stayed broken up. Yeah. So it was like, we always go back to that movie because there's a spot. And when Vince Vaughn, or Jennifer um, Aniston says to Vince Vaughn, I want you to want to do dishes. And he responds with, why would I want to do dishes? Yeah. it's a it's a conversation I've had numerous times in this house. It's like why would I want to do that? I mean, I want you to want to do that. But um but it it's a realistic conversation. I mean, why would you want to do that? If you ask me to want to do something, I'm not going to want to do that. But anyhow, I'm digressing a little bit. I just wanted to get to the point <laughs> that uh in this movie, it was another. they went with the happy ending. I could see why they shot different ones where it may not have ended nicely, like especially if they wanted to continue it, you know. Like, um, you have them where the the infected take over, and somebody else is there to take the reins. Um, but, uh, anyhow, excuse so, me for for yawning, everyone. I'm
0: <laughs> up early this morning.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, from that standpoint, I don't think, I don't know if I have anything else to, to say about the movie besides the fact that when, one thing we always point out, because this is the top 35 scariest movies according to science, and this is number 16. So for, for all of the movies in this uh, study, the average resting heart rate for the individuals that were watching this movie, which like we pointed out in the last one, is 250 individuals. Mm-hmm. Their rest average resting heart rate was 65 beats per minute. The average movie heart rate for this film was the same actually as The Exorcist last week. Uh, so the average resting heart or average movie heart rate was 77. But the highest spike in this film, Exorcist was 92. This one was 95 beats per minute. Mm-hmm. So that's what puts it in number 16. So the overall difference was twelve beats per minute from the resting heart rate, but because the spike was higher, it's put up know, a little hot. yeah, it's it's one can't higher than until we get to a point to where it's over a hundred.
0: Or or like you got I don't even two... think any of them go to the one tens and above,
1: but uh no. no. the next uh two get over a hundred and then it spikes up a lot after that. Oh nice. <laughs> so um yep so um but yeah so for this one
0: would you all consider this actually a scary
1: movie no no.
0: yeah no not me either
1: i think it's again like we talked about with a lot of these in the past it's it's anticipation i think Mm -hmm. the heart rate goes up because you're anticipating what's going to happen next And with this movie, I think one of the biggest things because everybody was relatively unknown in the movie, you really don't know what to expect coming out of it. Mm -hmm. So, and and that was purposeful, I think, for the director. Well, yeah, but I mean, you don't know exactly, like even in the terms of the acting, like you don't know how. uh, We talked about it in other podcasts when you have some, you see somebody on screen. They typically almost act the same way in a Mm -hmm. lot of their movies so if they do something a certain way you can almost anticipate what's going to happen next and i think because nobody in this film really was known uh at the time uh you probably didn't know how to react so there was always some bit of anticipation but um but yeah i mean other than that i you know i don't do you guys have anything else um for this film. This one's a pretty simple one, man. Yeah. 28 days later, it's just it's a that's just a good movie. But from me, yeah. from my standpoint, I can say if you guys have not seen it and you have the ability to watch it somewhere, I would watch it if you haven't mm-hmm. seen it because from my standpoint, I hadn't seen it and I'm glad I watched it. Oh, so, so
2: uh I I just wanted to comment. And so, what was your favorite part of the movie? I mean, know that this was your first time
0: watching it like
1: my favorite part yeah like did
2: you have like a scene that was like your favorite or i don't
1: know honestly to be honest with you the whole movie was i don't know if i can point to a specific scene because i could say any scenes related to the infected were good um anytime they were in it um Mm -hmm. I think sometimes it could have become a little bland when they weren't like when they were just like at the beginning. And I'll just talk about the beginning. Like when he's walking around the city by himself, that's realistic, but was it fun to watch? Not really. I mean, watching him walk around the city by himself, uh, but is it realistic and post-apocalyptic? Yeah, it's very realistic. He'd be the only one out on the street. I mean, so, because he yeah. didn't know how every for one everybody else could have died, he was he was in this area in yeah. a coma, so he had no clue. And waking up, we don't even know. I don't even remember if we know. Yeah. Anyways, I'm not even gonna. But, uh, probably maybe the chapel scene. Mm, when yeah. I think about it, might you be the that. the best one. See uh, in my, the movie. Uh,
2: my favorite part is just near the end, where it, like where he's he escaped from the guys, and then he turned. It's kind of like a, a version where he kind of like turned into one of the infected and pushed them towards the place, kind of like that. Like he was treating himself like one of them at the at the time, or at least that's what I was getting from it. So, him fucking with all the people at the house, the mansion or whatever was cool. That was my favorite part, just, uh, like, out of the whole movie. But, uh, like, it's mostly because it was kind of, like, I don't know, just different for a zombie movie where he was just like, oh, okay, I'm just going to be kind of like this person. But that's why I was curious what you were, uh, like, what you enjoyed about it. But that's pretty much it. <laughs> because I don't know what Aaron would... What it said what's his but Well we can ask about the the eye eye gouge.
0: Yeah, okay. Easily. Oh, okay, yeah. To where he was he was just so pissed off and then he he went for it. That was that was my favorite part of the movie. Where he used the uh one of the infected against them in order to get back into the house and then get and then he goes for that kill. Yeah. Easily.
1: All right, well, uh, for I hope you guys enjoyed this uh, podcast of Scream Creeps where we talked about 28 Days Later. So on Monday, so this one will be coming, as you guys know, this one came out Friday. On Monday, uh, you guys should expect to see on our uh, other podcast, Theater Junkies, we'll be talking about the movie Madam Web uh, after this podcast comes out. And then, uh, the next one for Scream proofs will be uh number 15 on the list of the top 35 scariest movies, according to science. And we'll be talking about the 1974 cult classic Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So basically one of the very first, what would be considered, I guess, horror films, uh, in the grand scheme of the word, uh, Or words, I guess you should say. But we'll be talking about that one at number 15. So uh, for all of us here at the Heart of Geek, I'm Jeremy. And then these are my brothers, uh, Aaron and Josh. And we'll see you in the next episode. Have a good one. Love you, bye.